Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. If you could just be rounding off your conversation, be bringing it to a, a close. It's fantastic to be speaking uh, to you this morning. If we haven't met, my name's Nick Drake. I'm one of the pastors here at Gastry, and it's fantastic to be speaking uh, to you today as we launch our new series called Kingdom in the City. Kingdom in the City. Now, if you're new to Gastry or you've been a while, uh, uh, here a while, you'll know our, our vision, because you've just heard it, is to be light for our city. And we are to be light for our city by doing two things, gathering together like this and then scattering wherever we are in our Monday to Friday life. And our vision is that in that scatter, we would carry the manifest presence of God, the special presence of God, His love and His power wherever we go. So we believe in being light for the city by gathering and scattering. Another way of saying that is we believe in the presence of God both here and out there, both here and out there. And last term, if you journeyed with us through the series on Sundays, and if not, please do go and watch a few of them. We focused on what it meant to have the presence of God here. When we gather, we looked at the lens of the temple through Scripture and how the temple in the Old Testament was this place where heaven met earth, where God would meet with his people, where worship would happen, and then how the temple became Jesus himself in his earthly ministry, his death and resurrection. He talked to himself as being the new temple. And then how for the early church in the power of the Spirit, they became the temple, the place of God's presence. And we continue in that story. That's what we looked at last term. And so this term, our series, Kingdom in the City, every Sunday, we're going to be focusing on what that means as we scatter. What that means as we shine the light of Jesus in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our universities, at school, at work, through friendships, through families. And so I'm going to talk to us today about how these two things work together in our lives to bring us purpose. We're also uh, privileged to hear from Nikki and Pippa Gumbel via video. Rachel caught up with them earlier this month. We're going to hear what it means for them too. So it's, this, it's going to be a fantastic uh, little time together now. But let's go straight to our passage, uh, Psalm 105. And as you're just turning to Psalm 105, let me just pray. Join with me by praying for the Spirit to speak to us now. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here in our midst already, working. And we now invite you to come and speak to us, right on our hearts, right in our minds, right in our lives, what you want to say about the wonderfulness of Jesus and change us to be more like him. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm 105, we're just going to read the first four verses. Um, it goes like this. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell all of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Amen. 
Now, by way of getting into our topic, I want to talk about cakes. Anyone a cake lover in the room? Yeah, come on. How come on boldness? Anyone a cake lover in the room? Yes. If you're not sure what a cake looks like. Who would eat a cake right now? Yes. <laughs> That's pretty unanimous. More excited about cakes than scripture, people. <laughs> cakes. I love cakes. Well, I was serving a variety of cakes the other day um, on our staff, one of our staff days, and uh, uh, there was a colleague next to me too, and we had all the cakes in front of us, and everyone was lining up, coming through to get their cake. And I really got into it, I tell you. Like, someone would come up for cake, and I'd be like, oh, th- um, well, this one is pistachio with um, a hint of mint, delicate but powerful. Anyone ever feel like that? Um, <laughs> this one... Gluten-free, but delicious Rocky Road. Note the but there. Uh, Delicious. Uh, These are my favorite. This is what I found myself saying. These ones, these are cookies. And these have got real Smarties in. How do you know they're real Smarties? Who knows the secret? The orange one tastes of orange, right, people? Right? Real. How are they baked? Well, they're crispy on the outside, chewy on the inside. Delicious. Take two. This is what I found myself just so enthused. And my colleague next to me said, you should... You should have been a salesman. And I thought to myself, well, in a way, I am. You see, when you believe in something and you've experienced it like the cake and it's changed you from the inside out, you want to tell others about it. And here's the thing. I didn't want anyone to miss out on these cakes that day. So my presence and my words helped draw people near to what I had experienced was great. Those smarty cookies, they were my favorite. This is a fun example, but a deep truth that we see in our psalm of how God has made us to be in relation to him and in relation to one another. Hidden within our passage today is this key dynamic, this key truth of the Christian faith of our lives that worship and witness belong together. Do you get me? Worship and witness belong together. To put it in everyday language, telling God how good he is, noticing all the intricacies of who he is, like I did about the cakes. That's what we do when we worship, when we gather together, when we sing. We just declare all the things we notice all through history. You've been faithful. You are good. And then telling others how good he is. That's the key dynamic for our lives. I was speaking to Dan yesterday, um, uh, just at Powerhouse. Dan got baptized recently with us. And Dan was saying um, how in, in his workplace, people have been coming up to him a lot more and asking him about his faith. And Dan told me how his answer has been, you know, they've been like, why are you talking about this more? And he says, listen, if you felt what I'd felt, You'd want me to tell you about it. I love that. If you felt what I felt, no wonder I'm telling you about it. Just like I was doing with the cakes. So we're called to do about God, how good he is. Look back at our passage briefly and you see this dynamic. So you know I'm not making this up. And now, listen, this psalm is one of the hit worship songs 
top of the Spotify playlist of the Old Testament. We know this because it's here in the Psalms, but it's already happened in Chronicles, in the great history books. It's, it's the song that when David reinstates the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines back in Jerusalem, sets up the Levites, the worship team. This is the song. These are the lyrics. So it happens again and again in Scripture. And here, so in that great moment of gather, of worship, hidden in it is the secret dynamic of witness as well. It says, give praise to the Lord, proclaim, proclaim his name. So worship, give praise, but proclaim, witness. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. We used to live uh, in London about 22 minutes away from Fulham football ground. It was 22 minutes because Becky and I pushed our buggies of our various children numerous times that route to try and get them to sleep. Uh, So we were 22 minutes away and some of you will live near the grounds in our cities or will work near them or have walked by them. And on match day, if I even just opened a window of the house or if I stepped into the garden, I could hear how the game was going. You know, if you've experienced that, you hear the singing, the chanting from outside the stadium. Outside the stadium. The volume of our praise, of our worship, should speak volumes out in the real world. That's the church that Jesus intended. That's the calling that God has placed on our lives as the people of God. That what we worship gets known beyond our stadium. If your life, your inner life is your stadium, what God is doing in your stadium, which we know from the temple is restoration, is healing, is forgiveness, is grace. It needs to spill out. It should spill out. It should be heard 22 minutes away. When someone even just breaks open the window. When someone comes to Dan and says, why are you speaking? That's them opening the window of their house. Hey, I can hear something, Dan. I can hear something different. Tell me, why? Why is your life suddenly a song? Song to the Lord. And if you ever feel like, well, that's hard going, how do I do that? I was encouraged this week in, my, in the bread journal we're doing, Philippians 2 says that God is at work in you, aligning you to his will for his good pleasure. And I personally drew such strength from that verse. Hey, I'm not on my own in this. God's at work in me. God's working when I'm sleeping. God's working when I'm not getting it right. God's working and he's aligning me with what he wants. He's turning up my volume outside the stadium if I stay in step with his spirit. And so when all around us throws fear at us and invites us to turn in on ourselves, the calling on us is to lift our heads and look out and look beyond the stadium of our own lives for how we are being a light and building good communities, flourishing people in our cities and in our nation. This is the call on the church, that worship leads to witness. Now, one of the churches that has really led the way in this is Holy Trinity Brompton. And we're about to hear from Nikki and Pippa Gumbel, who um, many of you will experience the Alpha course. They were instrumental in that flourishing and growing. And so Rachel caught up with them to ask them, hey, how does this dynamic worship and witness work for you? How does it work out 
in your lives sharing the light of Jesus. So sit back and watch this uh, video as we speak to them. Well, I hello, Nikki and Pippa Gumbel. Uh, it's so nice to see you. Uh, and for those that are watching that may be new to church, um, just by way of introduction, first of all, uh, I have the privilege of calling Nikki and Pips our friends. Uh, they are friends, first and foremost, to Tim and I. Um, they're also, they were senior pastors at HTV Church in London. Tim and I got to sit under your leadership for uh, 10 years, which was absolutely transformative for us. And also pioneers of Alpha, um, which uh, our church will be very familiar with. And just to say, I think the latest stat, again, for those that might be brand new to church, uh, the Alpha course, is it, is it, over 28 million people across the world have heard about Jesus through the Alpha Course and have done an Alpha Course. I mean, that is a mind-blowing statistic. And so um, the, first, the first thing I want to ask about is, is really what, what we know as the Great Commission. And this is like one of the last instructions that Jesus gives uh, in the New Testament. And he says to his followers go and make disciples. Uh, what, does that, what does that mean to you? What does that mean for us in the 21st century? Well, it's, I suppose it's a challenge every day, isn't it? Every day as you walk out of your house, it's a challenge to try and bring the fragrance of Christ everywhere that I go. I might not have the right words or do the right things, but to try in some way to, to spread the good news by who we are and to go out taking um, the good news of Jesus with us where, wherever we go. And to take, I mean, so often it says, make the most of every opportunity. And I know I haven't made the most of every opportunity. I've missed, you, you know, you think, oh, I should have just said whatever. But to try and make the most of every opportunity. I'm so pleased that somebody sat down with me, was brave enough to explain the Christian faith. It's, I, I was an atheist. Uh, growing up, I'm a very argumentative atheist, and I encountered Jesus at the age of 18 through reading the New Testament. And Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life in all its fullness. And once you've experienced that life, I really, uh, I think I've spent the last 50 years trying to say to people, this is amazing. Uh, don't miss out. Because I think uh, there's so many injustices in the world, but maybe the greatest injustice is for someone never to have heard about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the greatest act of love is to enable someone to have that relationship with Jesus. So it's like the number one priority. And Jesus made it that right at the end. His commissions always were, go and make disciples, go and tell people, uh, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. This is... The supreme thing that we're meant to be doing with our lives is introducing, pointing other people towards Jesus. The first disciples, when they met Jesus, they said to all their friends, come and see. I swim in the serpentine every morning. Uh, I just come out of the serpentine. Um, it's a lovely five degrees, uh, but I have a group of friends that I swim with there. And uh, a lot of them are like late 20s, uh, early 30s, entrepreneurs, um, uh, successful in their different ways. And one of them said to me the other day, we are the curious generation. And I think this is, uh, people are curious. And one thing that we can always say to people is, this is what happened to me. 
So we don't have to argue about whether it's, you know, objective truth or whatever. You just say, the Apostle Paul, as you look through the book of Acts, he always did the same thing. He just told his story. He said, before I was like this, he said, before I used to go around persecuting Christians. So I can say, you know, I used to be an atheist. Then he says, what happened to him? He encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. I can say, well, when I was 18, I, I had an experience that totally transformed my life. And then he said, what the difference was? He said, look, here I am now, I'm telling you all about Jesus. So I think we can all do that. We can all, if we think of our story in three parts, like he did, we can talk about the difference that Jesus has made, what we, what we experienced before, what, what happened, mm. and the difference. And there's no answer to that. People can't say to you, no, that didn't happen to you, mm. and they, because it's, it is our experience. And I think mm. that's the most powerful way of actually presenting uh, our, uh, presenting people with, with, with the, um, just the, the truth about Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and then you can say to people, come and see, come and, you know, I think that's, that's what I said to our friends at the surf. Now we ran Alpha in our home um, and we just said to them, come and see. Mm-hmm. And they came. And, and what about sort of different personality types? Again, I'm thinking for some people, they might say, well, others, they're sort of really naturally gifted. You know, they're outgoing or they're extroverted or whatever, but I'm not like that. I'm quite shy or I'm an introvert. I don't, I don't find it easy to talk. Like, are we all called to share our faith, even if we don't necessarily have a particularly out there personality? I, I mean, I think everybody shares their faith in different ways. I'm not, I'm definitely not a natural um, evangelist. Nikki talks to everybody in the street and slightly embarrasses me. Um, I'm much more trying to keep myself to myself and much more of a people pleaser, which is not a good thing to be. But therefore, I'm always a bit worried to offend people. But but when people tell tell you about their lives, often people are going through such difficult things of anxiety or or bereavement or, or difficult relationships. Actually, we do have the answers. I don't know, sometimes just even to say, you know, I'll pray for you. I'm amazed that people receive that actually quite quite well. Um, I think offering to pray sometimes, people are very touched actually that you care. And I think probably you can care even if you can't, you haven't got all the words to, to sort of win the arguments. You know, I, I'm actually an introvert. I'm an introvert, but I feel compelled to... Um, to do everything I can to to love people because I want them to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I mean, um, just to give you an example, we the other day um, I, I looked out the window and I saw this guy standing outside the house next door with a with a rucksack on, twenty six year old guy, and I went up and found out that he had um, rented a room next door. And I knew he couldn't possibly have done that because we know our neighbours very well. They're having building works done for a year. And they weren't living in it. And it was but, an absolute... And it was a building site. Mm. So um, he said he was absolutely sure he'd got the video. You know, he paid £800 up front for this, this room. Um, so I said, I, I'm afraid I think you've been scammed. Um, let's go and sort it out. And he came, he came into the house and... Um, and we we contact he, he contacted um, his bank and he um, and I just thought 
I didn't know what to do. So I gave him, actually, I gave him a book that my son had written called Loved. Uh, three or four weeks later, I got an email from him saying, I've read, I've read the book. It's changed my life. Can we meet up? But I think we get these, you know, okay, it doesn't happen every day, but we, we get the opportunities to do that. Even if you, like me, are an introvert, there are little things that we can do, like give someone a, a book that we found, you know, that's helped us. And do you think there's a correlation between prayer and sort of um, a posture towards those sorts of encounters and those encounters actually happening? <laughs> I think it happens to Nikki much more than to me. <laughs> but I think it, any community, whether you're with the dog walkers or whether you're, I don't know, in the gym or whether there are, there are opportunities uh, there. And... Um, you know, I, I, I think we can pray for opportunities. We can, of course we can pray. I think Nikki does have an, a special gift of a sort of whatever that is to tell people. But we all have responsibility. You know, we all have to take our responsibility. Yeah, I suppose in my own life, I recognise this correlation that if I'm being intentional about praying for those opportunities, those opportunities seem to be more frequent. And I think in part, it's the answer to prayer and in part it's just that I'm more aware I'm more open or looking for them there's an intentionality um yeah. I love some of my favorite one of my favorite verses is 1 Peter three fifteen that talks about being prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have and to do this with gentleness and respect why do you think he says that gentleness and respect why is that important uh, I mean I think that's the way we train our hosts, as you know, uh, Rach, on Alpha, is that verse, which to me is a really, really important verse, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 5, which says, in the heart of every human being is a deep well, and the wise person draws it out. And I think that's what you're talking about, gentleness and respect. And I think that's why people love coming on Alpha, because they're respected. They come into an atmosphere of encouragement, love, and it's a really, and a fascinating place because in every human heart is a deep well. When that comes out and when you hear the stories, it is absolutely riveting. Mm. And uh, so that's, that is, but it's true also just in, in general life, everyone you meet, whether it's in the changing room at the Serpentine or the, or, you know, in the, as Phipps says, in the, in the gym or, or in the workplace, you know that everyone's got an interesting story. And mm -hmm. our task is to draw out from that person their story, what they're interested in, what their experiences are, and to learn from them. We can learn from everybody. We don't just learn from other Christians. We can learn from atheists. We can learn from, we can learn and, and, and be enriched by their life experiences. Mm -hmm. And I want to end by asking you um, a question that you ask um, regularly, those that have done Alpha, that have found Jesus. You, you ask them, what difference has Jesus made to your life? And I want to ask, ask you the same question. Mm. I mean, so much, so many different things. I, I sort of look back to that 18-year-old self and I was totally lost. I thought life was fun. I was totally lost. So I think Jesus has been the bedrock of my, my life. Through the hard times and through the good times, he's always been there. And guys, he's enriched my life and given me purpose. 
you know, and you know, you know where you're going, even as you get older, you have that assurance, you know, things could go, you know, we could fall off our perch anytime, but we know where we're going. We're still eyes on Jesus and he's promised us eternal life and it's going to be okay. Yeah. And I think so many people are looking um, in terms of relationships. I think something, something's gone quite wrong with our world. People are not finding long-term relationships in the same way. And I think that the difference Jesus makes is a verse in Ecclesiastes, which you know, that, that a two is better than one and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Mm-hmm. And that applies, I think, you know, primarily, we think of it in terms of marriage, that the difference, when you ask what difference has Jesus made, I think he's made a huge difference to our marriage. Now we're nearly 46 years. You've been married a long time as well, right? No, uh, not quite that long, yeah, but yes. But you, but, but you know the difference Jesus makes mm-hmm. to a marriage. And I think that's just one one of the many, many differences Jesus has made. He, he transforms all, whether it's marriage, children, parents, friendships, uh, there's a difference in the depth of friendship when you have that third chord, Jesus at the heart of every relationship. So, uh, yeah, Jesus made big differences. Probably made us nicer, a bit nicer. <laughs> bit you nicer. Couldn't have nicer you're, both, you're, you're the nicest <laughs> people I know. So it, he must be doing something. Um, thank you so much uh, for taking the time and for your wisdom. What an absolute honour. I'll pass on that clap. Isn't it amazing, though, to, to hear a snapshot of two people who've, who have changed the world, have had massive impact, but just talking so normally about what Jesus means in their everyday life. I want to uh, leave you uh, with a, a really helpful illustration of what we've been talking about, of what they've been talking about, about how worship leads to witness. I want you to imagine your life as a bike, okay? Are there any cyclists in the room? Anyone who's like, naturally, this is your thing? Yeah, yeah, okay. Not many of us, not as many who like cake in the room. Um, a direct correlation there in the hands, I think. <laughs> um, I want you to imagine your life as a bike. A bike has um, two pedals, doesn't it? Two pedals, and let's name them worship and witness. Telling God how good he is, telling others how good he is. And do you remember that, that moment where you, you, you hook your foot under a pedal and bring it up ready, you remember as a child, and you, you're ready because you want maximum momentum from that first press down, you know that moment? And you press down, that excitement, woo, we're going. And you start moving. And what happens when we gather like this, when we worship, is we press that pedal down. When we gather, we celebrate the presence of God together and we start moving. But on a bike, as you know, when you press that pedal down, the other pedal comes up. And if you don't press that down, you're going to run out of road, right? Unless you happen to be going downhill. You've got to press down witness. You've got to share your life. You can't just enjoy the one pedal down Christian way. You've got to share. You've got to share, whether that's the smallest word of kindness, the moment of peace where you suck back in your anger, because anger isn't good, and you just wait and listen well. It could be the smallest of things, 
You share the goodness of God. It could be a big strategic thing you share. It could be um, just Dan answering well to his colleagues about his faith. You press down witness and now worship comes back up. You come back together. You've got more to give thanks for. You're entering the courts with thanksgiving, not waiting for the songs to lead you in. And you press down. Why do you press down now? Well, you press down now because you've got more weight. Your life's got more significance because you're doing the cycle that God intended. If we could go back to the cycle of worship leads to witness and witness leads to worship. This, we talk about great design like Apple products. This is God's genius design for our lives. This is the greatest self-help book you could ever read. Just one simple diagram. This is how God's intended you to flourish. And it's so genius because if our lives do that, we will inevitably bless and serve others, those around us. This is God's great design. And that kind of movement when you're pedaling on the bike, it's so thrilling. It's so exciting. This is how church moves from being just a building to become a movement. How our lives move from being a stagnant pond to a flowing river, like the Ezekiel 47 vision of the river that flows out from the temple, out from the gather to all nations, to all of creation, to restore creation to its creator of God's great design. Now, when you ride the bike, if you remember back to being a child, because we're all children in the kingdom of God, and I've done this numerous times, we've done this with our children, um, there's, 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 a, there's usually a parent or an older sibling, maybe you've done this, holding on that for that first press down to the saddle, isn't there? Holding on, giving stability, a presence right there beside and behind. And Jesus says in John 20, 21 to his disciples, just as they're about to press down on the witness pedal, they've been hanging out of him, they've, they've ridden the one pedal of worship, witness, and he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And he breathed on them the power of the Spirit, go. And they started their ride. We are in that continuum. We are those disciples. The Father's voice is behind you, right back here in the stage of our lives. We can't always see him, but we know his presence if we spend time in his word and spend time together worshiping. His voice over your life, louder than any other voice, the voice we need to hear today, louder than anything that comes through our phones or TVs, is go. As the Father sent you, I send you, go. Jesus is gone. It's not even like there's no role model or no one who's gone before us. Jesus, the great high priest Hebrews, has gone before you. He understands all your wobbles, all your, I'm not sure if I, is the bike going to stay balanced? All those childlike fears. But he knows that ahead is childlike wonder. He knows that ahead is childlike thrill. Because where's the bike ride going to take you? Now you've mastered the worship and witness cycle. This is the excitement of being in the church. This is what the church is designed to do and to be. This is the excitement of our lives. This is the greatest self-help tool we need, the greatest direction we need. Not what we do, but just are we practicing this cycle? And then whatever we're doing in healthcare, in business, at home, in our neighbourhoods, 
Flourishing will come to us and to those around us. The light and the goodness of God. Worship leads to witness. Witness leads to worship. And the wonder of this is we all get to ride. Every single one of us. If you're a CEO, ride. If you're a nurse, you're a teacher, ride. If you're an Uber driver, ride. (laughs) Practice that one. It's interwoven to our lives to follow Jesus and be like him. So where will your bike ride take you? Well, I don't, I was about to say, I know what you do. I don't know what all of you do. But you know what you do. You know where you are Monday to Friday. But where will the bike ride, the internal work, where will that lead you? Where will that lead you in what you're doing and how you are light for the city? You might well want to sign up for the scatter sessions. I highly recommend you do. Starting this Wednesday, Becky and I have signed up because we want to sharpen. You know, we've got the desire, but we want to sharpen the intentionality about what this means for us? Have we become dull? Have we lent too much on the worship pedal? So please do sign up starting this Wednesday so you can cycle well. And I want to end with this. Paul talks about this kind of cycling, his witness in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 22. He says this, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And Rick Warren summarizes this passage, Paul's witness strategy for riding his bike. He summarizes it like this, adaptation to the situation God has put you in. Adaptation to the situation God has put you in. So from the arts to business to healthcare to home life, There are broad possibilities of what your worship witness cycle looks like, how it will play out. I want to give you a very quick example to end from my own life. As some of you will know, Becky and I, we write songs. And all our lives, we have written songs for the internal stadium, for the church, to help children and young people, families worship well together. That's part of what we felt called to do. But recently... We were riding the bike metaphorically of worship and witness and we saw a moment, we felt a calling, however you want to put it, we rode, we carried on riding in prayer into a new thing of writing songs for outside the church and particularly for schools, to serve schools, to sing well and to carry particularly values that speak of a human flourishing and communities flourishing. One of these songs was called Kindness. And recently we heard this back from a teacher that they'd been in as a music teacher into the school to teach this song on kindness. And he said the next day after he taught the song, he went back in, bumped into the headmaster in the corridor and the headmaster grabbed the music teacher. And he said this, he said, I've never heard 150 kids sing so loud, owning every word. And here's the thing. And it's literally changing the atmosphere of the school. Isn't that fantastic? Now, I say that not because we're fantastic. To us, it's just a small, it's like natural. It's like riding a bike. What's your natural? What's your thing? And the enemy comes and says, oh, you, you, you should be like them. You should, oh, if only I could be like that. No, what's your thing? 
What's your bike ride? What's your adaptation to the situation God's put you in? And when you ride into that, you won't know where it will go, but God is there turning up the volume of the praise inside your stadium so it echoes all around and has far more impact than you ask, imagine, or could expect. So as I end, please hear today the Father's voice behind you, holding onto the saddle, but saying, go. The Father's command, the Father's confidence. Go. I send you. I send you. I send you. And we will see far more than we could ask or imagine. Shall we stand as the band comes back up? And let's just pray together. Shall we just close our eyes and just invite the Holy Spirit? I'm just going to pray for the Holy Spirit, the life of God, just to cement in our hearts what he's been doing. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come now and cement in our hearts, write it in our minds, what you want to say to us today. Out of all we've heard, come Holy Spirit, come. And just make that your own prayer. And Holy Spirit, we pray together for the gift of faith, the confidence to ride into the things unseen, to adapt even in tiny ways to the situation you've placed us in so that your kingdom would come, that we would serve and bless those around us. Come, Holy Spirit, come. And again, if you know that's you, you just need a a whole dose of confidence, of faith, then just make that your own prayer right now. In fact, why don't you come out? Let's just begin prayer ministry. If you know, for me, it's about confidence. It's about new faith. Why don't you come out? We'd love just to pray. We're going to pray for a few things, but if that's you, why don't you just make your way out now? Faith, confidence in the Lord. Yeah, that's it. Just come on out. We'd love just to pray with you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come. That's it. Come, Holy Spirit. And if some of the prayer team could just start praying over here and over here. Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you. I'm just going to pray for a few more things as well. I'm just going to just listen to the Spirit. Lord, what do you want to minister to us from this message? Come. Come, speak. Come. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.